Nobody cares. Nobody, Nobody cares, cares about, about anything. anything. That's right. <laughs> they care about what's on Oprah's book club and is there any peanut butter left? Uh, yeah. That's all people care about. Actually, hold on a second. I got to check my peanut butter. <laughs> It is uh, it is Tuesday afternoon. Tu- Tuesday afternoon, isn't there? A, there's a Moody Blues song called Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday afternoon, isn't there? Uh, it's before yes. my time. The Moody Blues. Um, I think it's on Days of Futures Past, isn't it? Maybe I don't know. Anyway, it is Tuesday, <laughs> uh, which means it's it's uh, time for on taking pictures, uh, episode ninety three. Mm-hmm. Seven more. You love this counting down to the hundred. I do love the counting down. I do. What happens when we hit 100? Uh, I don't know. Maybe something special. Maybe nothing. <laughs> you have to tune in to find out. <laughs> okay. It could be the fulfillment of the Mayan prophecy. I'll look forward to that. <laughs> it could be just Tuesday. You don't know. But uh, either way, it's it's on taking pictures. We're here every week. We're talking about photography. And uh, my name's Jeffrey Sidoris from uh, from fadedandblurred.com. Always interesting stuff up there. Uh, and and with me, the post-dental Bill Wadman. Yep. No cavities. Very excited. That's good. I'm very proud of myself. Uh, for a number of reasons. But uh, yes. yes. Hey, you know, last Thursday, <laughs> last Tuesday after the show, I went to see that night... Um, uh, friend of the show, uh, Todd Reynolds, go and play um, with his violin, with the, with his with his fiddle, and um, man, he's good. Yeah. You know, between him with the violin and Cisco with the dancing, and you know what I mean. We know people who are madly talented, mad talented. Uh, talent is good. Yeah, it's very, it's very talent is good. Speaking of talent, uh, how about these uh, these texture photos in the Google Plus group? Yeah, almost a hundred texture photos in in there. You guys are are doing some really fantastic work. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad glad this is this is going and, and you're having fun with it. Uh, this week, uh, we want to see where you live. We want to see what's what's going on in your neck of the woods. Uh, so the uh, the assignment is is my town hashtag my town. So you know it could be. Could be what you hate about your town. Could be what you love about your town. Could be what you know. Uh, if if you're if you're Josh in in uh, Tennessee, it could be you know the mules that make your town famous. Who knows? <laughs> you know. Now I want to go to Columbia, Tennessee. <laughs> uh, if you're, you know, if you're Alan, who knows? Yeah, snow. But uh, yeah, snow, snow. Uh, a friend of mine in Pennsylvania said that they are they are. Upwards of eleven inches of snow right now. Uh, yeah, we have a, we got like f- five or six inches yesterday, and then we're supposed to get another eight tomorrow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's you know what yeah. though in the city, if if you don't absolutely need to be somewhere for like some emergency situation, and you're not driving, I mean it's inconvenient and it's a pain in the neck, you know, especially when it gets slushy and stuff. Right. But it's also kind of fun to look outside and just see all this cotton candy falling from the sky you know uh, yeah i i would imagine it's it's beautiful to it's see it yeah uh i just don't want to live in it yeah i mean you know it's uh, it's it's fun every once in a while and you know the, a couple of years ago we did we didn't get any snow was it last year or the year before we literally got a half an inch of snow like once 
And yeah. it's like you're going through all of this cold and all this misery in the wintertime and the dark, you know, sun goes down early and stuff. And you don't even get a nice little snow thing to make you go, oh, snow. Right. You know the, and my, now you've got this nice thing. Right. My favorite part of the snow, though, for me, especially when it's falling, is the um, the sound or the lack thereof. Cause, right. cause it just kind of mutes everything. Yeah, the snow just mm-hmm. kind of sucks up the sound. Like at the end of uh, Kill Bill, volume uh-huh. one, uh-huh. when they're out in the snow and it just has this like... This eerie silence. Yeah, it's it's really yeah. nice to no, be outside. No, I mean, it's really pretty, and and you know, I, I like I said, I love looking at it. But you know, then on the other side of the fence, you've got us, you've got California, who you know, worst drought since California yeah. became a state. Yeah, and a, I mean, we, it, you know, and we'll fall is, into the sea any moment. That's right. It's bad news. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's okay. Anyway, so so show us where you live, my town. Uh, show us some of the interesting things about your town. Uh, also, uh, we're going to try and do another hangout on Friday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I, I think it pops up in the correct time for your time zone. If you look at the invite or look at the, not the invite, but the event thing, it should show the correct time for okay. wherever you are. Oh, it's, it's, it's time zone aware? I think so. Okay. I'll I mean, have to check. Check, check that. And if these are, are things that, that, you know, you guys want to do moving forward, then we'll figure out a, uh, a, a better solution for uh, archiving, posting, et cetera. Because it, since they are started from a private group, uh, the Hangouts on Air functionality does not work. It doesn't work on private Hangouts. So we would have to do a, a public Hangout. Um, so there are pros and cons each way. Maybe, maybe, you know, record it screen share and then, you know, bookend it with, with, uh, the, the URL for the show and, and sure. then throw it up. Maybe that's a better way to do it. You know, had I known all of this before we started that group, I would have done a public group instead of a private group. Uh, I don't know. I like, I like, I like it kind of a, I just wish there was more granularity in the, in the permissions. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I agree. Uh, we, um, what, what are we yeah. talking about today? So, okay. So uh, last week, I've been thinking about this all week, not entirely like all the time, but yeah. you, you said something last week that life is too short for, for, and I'm paraphrasing, life is too short for you not to have to do anything that, that basically that you don't want to do or that isn't fun. Um, and I, and I okay. find that an interesting I find that an interesting point of view, first of all. But then uh, Humans of New York posted this, this brief interview with a guy named Michael DeVries, who's an actor. And uh, there, there are a couple things in there that, that I wanted to kind of batter around with you and, and see sure. what you think. And, and they ask him, uh, he says, I'm an actor. And they say, how, how has being an actor differed from your initial expectations? And he says, well, I think everyone decides to become an actor from a place of love. But when it becomes your job, there's an adjustment because suddenly you're in competition with other people for your livelihood. And some people can't handle it. I've been lucky enough to find work my entire life, but I've seen a lot of talented people who weren't so lucky. And they ask, so what separates you from the talented people who weren't able to find work? And this is where I think it, it, it pertains to what a lot of the things that we talk about. Uh, and he says, I've always been very driven, Michael DeVries says. Uh, I've, I've seen many talented people fail because they aren't driven. In school, they were able to win roles because of their talent. But you reach a point where talent isn't enough to compete. Because as you progress, you're eventually going to run up against people who are both talented and driven. Yep. 
And I find this interesting because you, you've, you've brought this up a couple times that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I should have to do that or I don't want to do that. But or you I choose a, not to do that. Whatever, whatever it may be. You choose not to do well, that. Those, whatever are, the, those are very different things, but okay, go ahead. I don't want to or I choose yeah, not to. Okay, yeah. You, you know, okay. go ahead. So what, what's, the, what's your question? I think that, that as a photographer, you are going to anybody really, but since this is a photography show, uh, you're going to run up against people who, who will do those things that you don't want to do, who, who are willing. Well, I think that this is a very, there's, there's, there's a whole lot of gray here, right? Um, sure. But, but I do lots of work that I would rather not do, but I don't dislike, mm -hmm. you know, like if, if, if I, I do, I do some corporate headshot kind of stuff every once in a while, cause you know, it's good money and it's easy and I can go do that. Um, do you think you hustle as much as you can? Um, I don't hustle as much as I can. Could I make more money taking pictures and get more jobs? Yes. I'm sure I could, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't know that they would be the type of jobs that I'd want to do. And I make enough doing it the way I want to do it that I don't worry about paying my rent. So, you know, I mean, I, I think there's a threshold. Look, if, if I couldn't pay my rent, yeah, I'd have to go find some way to, you know, to, to do different work. Um, but, but if it comes down to whether or not I've got to go start shooting events, I can't stand that. I would literally do something else. I would put down my camera and go get a job doing something else rather than do that kind of photography. Because I came Hmm. to photography after leaving a job where I didn't completely dislike what I do. When I was an art director, I didn't hate it. I just didn't find a whole lot of value in what I was making. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I felt unfulfilled by it. You know, I made good money and I, you know, all of that. So you would, you would leave, you would leave the profession entirely versus engaging in an aspect of a, of the profession that you aren't interested in. Yeah. Because like, for example, and this is not any sort of dis against people who do events, but like, I don't enjoy that because it, it is missing all of the things about photography that I like, Mm -hmm. which is sitting down, spending time with somebody, trying to work on them, break them down, take a really authentic photo. These are all the exact opposite of what you're doing when you have six seconds with the father of the bride and have to take the picture, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so for me, it's sort of like, okay, well, if, if this is none of the fun that I get out of this, why would I do it? You know? But, but I guess that's what I'm trying to get at is who, whoever promised you that life was nothing but fun. Oh, I don't think that life is nothing but fun. Look, I just went to the dentist. I can't stand going to the dentist. Um, I'm not saying that every single thing you do in your life, you're, you have to, enjoy but i also don't think that you know if 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 i couldn't make a living taking portraits and and i had to go you know work as an event photographer i would i would find something else to make my living at that i would enjoy more you know what i mean like i i don't i guess i don't i guess i don't know what you mean because for you the pinnacle of enjoyment in your professional life is making portraits so if you couldn't do that then what would you do that, 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 that gives you that same level of enjoyment? You've decided that, that this is what you enjoy doing. And I think this there are a lot of photographers. thing that I enjoy doing more than other stuff. Yep. 
Right. And I think there are a lot of photographers who are, who are in a, in a very similar boat. And I think that, that I'd like, I'd like you to speak yeah. to that a little bit, sure. that, that I get so much enjoyment out of X, right? But, but I can't find enough work doing X. Right. Right. See, so okay. that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Um, okay. Assuming for the moment that I couldn't find enough work doing X, I would find something else to supplement my income and keep photography, um, pure as it were. Right. So um, you would, you would keep shooting. Uh, yeah. For myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. unpaid. Like even this guy, this, uh, Michael DeVries, DeVry, the yeah, actor uh-huh. or whatever. Right. So, okay. Let's say he's an actor. Let's say he's a stage actor, right? He, he does plays. I don't know. Which is he this, is. He's is in, this he's an actual guy? Yeah. He's in Wicked. Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. Um, you know, some actors go and put on a chicken outfit and stand outside of a chicken restaurant, you know, and you could claim that that is acting mm-hmm. and some people do, but I don't know that Michael would do that rather than go get a desk job somewhere for part time in order to help pay his rent. Like at what point is, is the work that you're taking no longer really the profession you want to be doing anyway? So why are you working so hard to try to pull that into a profession? You know what I mean? Right. For me, there's a line, but that's because of why I came into this in the first place. I came Mm -hmm. into photography because I wanted to do it for me. I had, I had dinner with a friend last week and he was, he's a photographer and he said, look, if I could do it full time, I would shoot anything anybody gave me any, you know, any work anybody gave me. Right. And I think there are a number of people out there who probably feel the same way. Right. And I, and I was like, well, you know, I don't agree with that because I don't want, I don't want to hate photography. Mm -hmm. And that would, if, 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 if it felt like a chore to do it, then I might as well do anything else. That's a chore. There's a lot of things out there that are chores that make a lot more money than low end photography, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is the kind of stuff that I theoretically would have to do in order to, you know? So Um, there's a, there's a purity that you're trying to, yeah, I might as well go back in advertising. If I'm going to be miserable doing something, I might as well be less miserable and make more money doing advertising rather than working. I, I feel like it's, it's somehow um, uh, dirtying what I love about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Now, but this is not for everybody, right? Like the guy I was talking to, maybe for him shooting anything is the joy, but maybe I'm also five years further down the road than that guy. And the way I see there are times when I used to shoot anything. I, I shot two weddings when I, you know, eight years ago or whatever it is when I started, I shot a couple of weddings for friends who asked me really nicely. And then I promised myself I would never do it again just because I don't like doing it. Right. Um, so it's not that I haven't tried doing that stuff. It's just like, ugh, it just, uh, nah, no, thank you. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, it's all, it's all what it comes down to. Look, we, we all live in the first world or most of the people listening to this, are living in a situation where they're not going to be out on the street, you know, um, tomorrow. If, if they're not shooting. You mean. Right. Yeah. Like that, that, that if you're doing, if you're doing photography professionally and you can't find enough work doing it. Okay. Well then maybe you shouldn't be a professional photographer trying to do I the just, stuff you I, want to do. And, and if you're, if you're trying to be like a landscape photographer and sell prints and that kind of stuff in today's world, that's a tough gig. You yeah, know? it is like my stuff, at least what I do there aren't stock photos of the people who hire me to go take pictures of them. You mm-hmm. know, not everyone has a picture of Joe Schmo who's hiring me to take a picture of him. That's why he needs me. 
I guess I, I, I guess I wonder, you know, like using an actor sure. as an example for a minute, you know, if let's say you, you really want to be a film actor and, yep. and you say, I, I really want to act. So I'm going to do local theater or I'm going to do commercials, even though I'm not getting these big film parts. Yep. Uh, I, I don't like doing commercials. I don't like doing whatever, but I'm going to do these. And, and it's in doing this commercial that some casting agent sees you and goes, you know what? You would be perfect for this film. Sure. Look, anything is possible. It's, and I, I mean, just, I wonder if, if you, if you sometimes are, are, are narrow in your, in your scope of what you're willing to do that keeps you from excelling or not excelling is the wrong word. That's the wrong word. That's the wrong word. What exactly do you think I'm so narrow about? Um, I don't, th- I don't, maybe narrow is even the wrong word. I just, I, I see, I see when we talk about a lot of the frustration on, on this show of not moving forward and I, and I'm trying to, to, I guess, get a handle on, on where the blockage is on the road. Yes. Yes. Because I know a lot of people from the emails that we get, from the, from the conversations that we have with people, I know a lot of people are, are going through this same exact thing. Well, you know, sometimes I think, I think, well, there's a number of things going on here that the, 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 the traffic could, could be you and Mm -hmm. some sort of thing in your head. It could also be the outside world or some combination of the two. Sure. It may not necessarily be that some guy who's trying to get hired for X or does this kind of work and isn't getting a lot of work. It may be that the world's not ready for him or he hasn't figured out how to sell himself properly or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not necessarily that his work has to change. Yeah. You know, um, look, look at how many examples there are of people who wrote novels and sent them to everyone and everyone rejected them 53 times. And then somebody took a chance on it and it's a blockbuster hit. Right. So, so, there's all those examples too. I mean, like even in your own work, if somebody called you up and said, I'd love you to write X and it was something that you were just like, really, you want me to write a, you know, uh, uh, captions for, uh, for, a uh, Chinese plastic company catalog, you know, or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. you know, there, there are things of writing that you would say no to. Um, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, so, I, I so would, I would, everyone's got their look, line, right? Yeah. I, I think I would look to see could I use it as an exercise? Okay, sure. You know, could, could I, could I figure out yeah, okay. <laughs> some way to inject narrative yep, into here, here's an <laughs> Chinese plastic Look, toys? <laughs> this, this, this weekend, um, I shot a, uh, an engagement photo for uh, a couple of friends of right. mine. Right. Um, I don't shoot engagement photos. Like that's not my thing. Um, but they wanted something very specific, which was they wanted a picture that looks like one of my pictures that just happens to be an engagement photo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. And you know what? Like if, if this is what people wanted from me from engagement photos, if they were coming to me to get a picture that was a story that was, you know, well lit and wasn't just, you know, a couple of people hugging in Central Park for the long lens. Then, okay, but you've, you've, you've just said something that, that why would they come to you? Well, why would they come to me if they wanted that? I yeah. don't know, but people do. I, I understand that. Well, but unless you have that work out there, people people are going to come to you because they see what you shoot. And if you don't shoot X, then nobody knows that you shoot X, and they're not going to come to you to shoot X. Um, 
Right. Wait, with the, with the, you mean the, 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 the traditional engagement photo stuff or this kind of stuff? This kind of stuff. If, if you had a gallery of, of you know, Drabble-esque engagement shoots. Right. Now you're on the map as the guy who does Drabble-esque engagement right. shoots. And, but, but if they see Bill Wadman as the, the, the conceptual portrait guy, right. maybe they're not going to know yeah. to go, hey, you know what? Maybe he would do this. Sure. We don't see the same any time, examples of this. Right, sure. But at the same time, I'm not really interested in doing this. You know, I did it as a favor and it came out great and it was a lot of fun, but I don't want to build my business around this, you know? Okay. So, so like, but if, if somebody really wanted this and they came to me and they see this one, if friends of theirs see this one and go, oh my God, I'd love to do a thing like that. Mm-hmm. Well, then let's mm-hmm. talk. But I'm not trying to advertise to do this. My point is that this is outside of my wheelhouse, my comfort zone, in the sense that it's not what I would normally choose to do. And it worked out fine. It worked out great. The picture came out nice. They seemed very happy. Um, uh, so, you know, stuff that fits within my overall story, I'm fine with doing, uh, as long as it, as long as it doesn't feel completely disjointed, you know, gotcha. uh, okay. like something that's so completely out of the way where it's like, well, why did you bring in me? Like, this makes sense for why they called me mm-hmm. other than the fact that they're friends of mine and he's hired me a number of times before. There's also like this sense of like, okay, yeah, I could do this. Well, I could do this better what they're looking for, I could do better than a traditional engagement photographer because, like, this is what I do. Um, so, you know, it's great. It's fine. You know, it's tough, though. It's, um, you know, I, I think that I think that what is the drive, I guess, is the word that the guy was using. You know, there's talent and then there's drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, hustle, I guess, would be another word, although I don't yep. tend to like the word hustle. I like drive better. Um because hustle implies busy work. It implies that if you're not doing something, then you're going backwards when you might hmm. just be on a treadmill in one place, just running to say that you're running. You know That's what I mean? an interesting interpretation. Yeah, I don't get that at all. You don't agree with that? Uh, no, not okay. at all. Um, no. That's That's interesting. So hustle... The the, 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 has, has it always been that way or had, did you, did you, did you learn to I, categorize it like that? Or has it always just kind of struck you? I think that, that there's way? an efficiency to that kind of stuff, which is yes, I could make a hundred calls to people I know are almost certainly not going to hire me. Mm-hmm. So, but, oh, I made those calls. So therefore I'm moving ahead with what I'm doing. It's like, well, no, you just wasted an hour calling a hundred people. Um, Interesting. You know, I, I listened to uh, an interview with, with Leonardo DiCaprio yesterday yep. uh, with Elvis Mitchell on The Treatment, which is a great film-based uh, podcast if you haven't heard it. And he used the word hustle over and over again to describe how, how he uh, moved his career forward. And I, so I find it interesting that, that – or Okay. Well, then maybe in that situation – He's using hustle. He may be using hustle in the way that I'm talking about hustle. I just don't mean, I just, I guess what I mean is that just, just because you're working hard trying to get ahead doesn't mean you're working hard in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, he could be digging in exactly the wrong direction and actually be going backwards. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's like, it, well, it kind of gets us back to the practice discussions of of previous weeks, where if you're not if you're not tweaking the practice that you're doing, and you're doing the same things over and over and over again, but expecting different results, you're not going to get different results. 
Yeah, but I still, I still, I I take issue with the idea that. <sighs> this I, is fascinating to me, by the way. I think, I think, look, I think that doing anything over and over and over again is practice. And I think while, while you might not be able to get, you might not be getting better in, in a, look, I have, I had zero skills and now I have 113 skills, Right. Um, you use the example of, of the golfer who has a bad swing and does right. the swing 10,000 times. Yeah, true. But he's, but that's, that's in something like that. And I don't think that photography or writing is necessarily, um, that strict where you're putting tools in your box. And if you don't have these tools in your box, you will never be a good painter. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Basquiat was not particularly a great technical painter. Not at but all. people, right? So, okay. Well, Basquiat didn't practice well, according to your theory, right? You know what I mean? Like, apparently, he was never going to be successful because he wasn't practicing in the right direction. When no, obviously he true. had something no, else. No, that's not true. I didn't, uh, and I don't mean to say that at all. Okay, what are you saying then? He, you know, he 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 did what he thought he needed to do, which was you know, make art. Art is very subjective. Yes, I, I think you know there is no. I mean, if you want to paint like like Vermeer. Right. Or if you want to paint like Boucher. Right. Then, you know, and you're using four inch brushes and acrylics. Then you're going to have a problem. You're never going to make it. Right. Sure. Right tool for the right job. You know, um, and that's all I was trying to get to about, you know, if, if all I'm, if I'm shooting, you know, uh, natural light, but I want to get the same results as, you know, Annie. Sure. It's and not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yes. No, I, that I completely agree with, but I don't think that in the arts, so you get a light and you mess around with, it. there's no wrong answer in the arts. Like there is, I don't think there, I don't think that the definition of, of, I think it's more subjective in the arts than it is Absolutely. in other things. Absolutely. Um, to where, you know, it's, it's like the, uh, then again, you know, what? here's an example, the, the whole, the Fosbury flop, right? The guy who, Dick Fosbury, who figured out the high jump back in whatever, 67 right, high right. jump used to be everyone jumped forward and kind of bent at the waist and went over. And he was like, um, actually there's a better way to do it. I'm going to go this whole, you know, the whole backwards thing that everyone right, does right. now. And he like beat the world record by whatever inches, you know, in the first, in the first 18 feet, some, no, it was some <laughs> ridiculous thing like that. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. he just, now everyone up until that time would say, what the hell are you thinking? This is the technique. This is the way to do it. So if he was practicing the way that other people told him to go, then he never would have gotten there. Right. But he didn't. That, that did come down to perfect practice. He tweaked it. He oh, went, you know yeah, what? He I'm found his own same, thing. Yeah. I'm getting right. the same results as everybody else. But how would, yes, right. But, but he's not going to know that unless he goes off the reservation a little. Sure. Um, and I think, I think going off the reservation is, is a necessary part of the creative process. Sure. Yeah. Of any creative process. Yep. Yeah. It's, um. I don't know, I, I but I, I don't like the idea. The, I feel like there was an implication at the beginning of this discussion that if you if you want art to be where you make a living, then you have to suck up to the fact that you're going to have to do stuff you don't want to do. And I don't think that those things. I think those things are mutually exclusive. Uh, I don't. I don't think you can guarantee that you're going to do everything you want to do and make a great living. But I don't think that you you have to 
sell your goal in order to make a I don't think so either. I but I don't I also don't think you have to be overly dismissive of well that's not exactly what I want to do so I'm not going to do it. No. And I look exactly what you want to do is one thing. Something completely different it's like well go ask the person who really wants to do that other thing that's completely different. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. There's a guy it's like the whole it's like my whole like I liked playing with video this summer and I'm actually going to do another project in a couple weeks where I play with video. But I like playing with video. If somebody, you know, comes to me and wants me to do a thing, it's like, well, you know, there's guys out there who love directing and shooting right. and editing. Right. That's what they really love to do. And that's what they want to do. Why are you asking me to do it? You yep. know, I, I feel exactly the same way about 3D. Yes. I, I enjoy 3D modeling. I enjoy creating environments. But there are guys out there who and girls who yeah. live, eat, sleep, and breathe Maya. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick little story. A friend of mine was working on an ad project, and he had something to do where they wanted the letters in um, ice, you know, basically like cut out of ice. Oh, okay, okay. And, you know, of course, they were decided to do it in 3D instead of that. And, and my friend, who has like a little bit of skill in Cinema 4D, like enough to be dangerous, but not enough mm-hmm. to like be one of those guys. Um, basically made a comp of like, oh, I want it to kind of look like this. You see how the light, whatever it is. And apparently the guy was like really dismissive in a relax. I'll take care of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, nice. like, 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 in a, I know how to make ice, you know, yeah, in, in yeah, like a yeah. very sort of like, it, because that guy is, you know, the monster that my friend is in design. He is in 3d. Right. So let him do the 3d stuff. You know, right. um, it was just really cute. He's like, you, you could stop right there. This, this, this discussion fascinates me and, and I, uh, where people are willing to go, what they're willing to do, how they see themselves moving forward. This is fascinating to me. I could talk about this all day, but we can't, but, uh, oh, thank you though for indulging we, me. We don't, just, I mean, if, if we're not done with that, we don't have to be done with that. No, it's, I don't, I don't know that there's a, a resolution to it. I'd like, I'd like for people to kind of chime in and ask questions and, yeah. and give their thoughts on it. Um, I think, look, here, here's, here's. One thing that I will say about this yes. is that I, I think that part of, of making stuff is about making decisions about what you're going to make. And I think that if you're doing everything, then you don't have a point of view. And, and part of this is narrowing it down and doing certain things and doing them well so that when people look at your work, there's a whole cohesiveness to it. Not necessarily you're taking the same picture every time, but that they can tell that it's all one person's point of view. And I think that the, I think that that's a sign of maturity of an artist. Not not that like everything looks the same and not that they're doing the same thing every time or exactly the same thing. But but if you're doing absolutely everything all the time, then you're not making decisions. You're not editing your own thoughts and your own work mm-hmm, into some sort mm-hmm. of statement. You know, you're not saying anything. Right. You're just, you're just, you're just throwing words together and it's like, okay, well, are you actually going to make an argument or are you just going to throw words together? Right. Um, right. You know, some people are really good. You, you ever see those guys on the street where they're like, give me $5 and I'll, I'll talk for 10 minutes about whatever topic you give me. You ever see that? No, it's crazy. in like cities, sometimes you like go and you give them a few dollars and they are these like wordsmiths who like whip up these wonderful things full of alliterations like, like and rap or, or prose. sometimes rap, sometimes prose. They'll like, you know, give me a topic and I will pontificate on it for, you know, I'll write you a poem. Wow. And it's beautiful. And they're amazing. At it. They're, right? It's almost, um, it's almost a little like autistic. You know what I mean? Like mm. they have this thing that's, it's like rain man, you wow. know? 
Yeah, and, yeah. But I see those guys and I'm like, yeah, that's great. But they're not actually saying anything. They're just jumbling words and things together that can be interpreted in any way possible, you know? Um, and so they're it's interesting. Like real time Nostradamus. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. It's just like, it's, <laughs> we, we can make this mean anything. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And it's like, okay, well then you haven't really done anything. You've just right. thrown words together. I don't know. That's it. Interesting. Uh, what's next on the agenda? Uh, have you, okay, you know what? I'm going to paste this in here. I, I don't know if you've seen it, but, uh, it, I, I, I am of the opinion that, that, Apple is doing some of their best advertising that they've done in years. Oh uh, yeah, I saw this. And uh, so they did this this film uh, directed by uh, Jake Scott, yep. who his father's name is Ridley Scott, mm-hmm. who's done a few things. Yeah. Um, and and they did this this film this this commercial this ad this spot uh, entirely with iPhones. Yep. Uh, and shot the thing. Uh, on uh, 15, you know, what was it, five continents, 15 locations, uh, over 100 iPhones, and all, all sort of directed at this, this kind of command center, you know, it looks almost like CTU on, on uh, 24 uh, in real time. Okay. And I just, I find it fascinating, not only the, the logistics of it, uh, but the fact that this entire thing was done on what Apple claims, and I, based on numbers, they're probably right, is is the most popular camera in the world. Yes. Yeah. It's. I mean, look, tools are tools, and as long as you know, with an iPhone, as long as it doesn't need to be, you know, uh, um, what was I about to say? Um, is 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 as long as you know you can put it on some sort of structure that will hold it more steady because mm-hmm, I mean that, mm-hmm. these are the problems that most of us have you know is the, if you stuck a, a pocket a pocket cinema camera next to this and looked at the footage next to another one of course the black magic is going to look better you know what I mean uh, the footage um, but good enough is a very you know general idea right. Um, uh, well, I, I mean, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it looks fantastic and yep. I love the way that they, so basically think of it this way. They've got two iPhones in each location Yep. and they've got one iPhone shooting the footage and then they've got another iPhone shooting the that person is, shooting the footage. that is yeah, FaceTimed back to this command center where the director can give direction to the cinematographer Yep. It, all in real time. Sure. And I just, I find this fascinating from a number of, of, of perspectives. And I wonder moving forward, will, will this proliferate? And I, and I can't imagine that it wouldn't. Would this style of filmmaking proliferate into large multi-cam, multi-continental shoots? Um, Not necessarily doing it with an iPhone, of course, but, yeah. but this sort of one home base. Well, isn't this, is this is kind of similar to, you know, telesurgery, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, but the, you know, then again, I, I think there, there are arguments for efficiency sake and there are arguments for, you know, ex- expense and all that kind of stuff. But there's also an argument for having been in the place, actually shooting the footage in the sense that there's an experience there that gets lost. Being the um, person back in home base, if you're at Pompeii taking, have, watching somebody watch somebody take footage, right. that's not the same as you sitting at the camera taking that footage. That is true. That is true. You know. 
But, but as long as it gets the job done, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. is is there something? I, I again, is there what I, something I, wrong with it? Yeah, I, I I find that you know five years ago this would have been impossible. Yep. Yeah. And now and now here we are uh, using real time uplinks from space to. You know what it's actually kind of like a is uh, it's a uh, I mean it's sort of the video version of the ISDN line for radio like fifteen years ago. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and or, it's just or between two studios, me. like oh, I mm-hmm. can have, you know, Frank Sinatra singing with, uh, you know, um, um, what's her name, um, like Diana Ross, say, you know, right. oh well, right. she's in L.A. and he's in New York. Okay, well, let's get him on the same same recording. Yeah, and it, you've got uh, a lot of video game music. Yeah. You know, the, sure. the the orchestras are in Prague or yes. something, and and the but, conductor is in L.A. Right. or yeah, I mean, Skywalker the, Sound. Or the, the thing is, is that the advantages of this have far more to do with economics than they do quality. I don't think the work is going to get monumentally better. It just gets cheaper to do it. And, and there's an argument to be made though, that, you know, there, there already are enough advertisements that they don't ever film in America because it's too expensive. They all do it in Eastern Europe or South America now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they just fly everybody to Prague and, and shoot there or whatever it is, you know? Um, and they cost cut and they strip sure. and they save and they whatever to the point where it's like, okay, so who gets the advantage of this? Oh, right. The people who own the agency or, you know what I mean? Like, so, or the people that are trying to put this thing together. I mean, yes. if you can send, you know, a DP and a, a, a couple crew members instead of sure. a 50 person crew, yep. there, there may be a fantastic benefit yes. moving forward. Okay. For so like what are the other 50 people who used to have jobs now do? Well, maybe they'll be working on something else. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just I I I agree with you. I just it, in the end, it it tends to mean that there are less creative people working. Mm-hmm. It, or, or it's like the promise of it is that there will be more creative stuff made, but in the end, the economics tend to feel like it's it's the creative people that get screwed right. and the you, money you've, people you've who been get made the redundant by, exactly yeah. by FaceTime or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know yeah. that's that's how it always feels. It ends up like that to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that's. How it feels, you know. Fascinating, though. Anyway, oh, so uh, if you haven't seen it, take take a look at it. There's a, there you can see the the spot, and there's a little behind the scenes of of uh, Jake Scott talking about you know having this thing come together. And I, I, I don't know. I just I was found it very inspiring. <laughs> Jake Scott. <laughs> Jake Scott. Yeah. Hey, uh, I think we should uh, take a minute to thank one of our sponsors. <gasps> Hostgator.com. I wonder how they feel about that. (laughs) They love it. HostGator.com is a premier (laughs) web hosting provider. If you're looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started with uh, monthly hosting plans, one-click installs. If you you want WordPress, you go click, and it goes, hold on a second while I install WordPress. Which is really nice. It creates the database, assigns all the permissions. Which, you know, is is not not hard to do with a capital H, but it's a pain in the neck to do. Yes. Um, There's a little bit of tedium that's involved with it. Yes, exactly. Uh, One-click installs and tons of other features that get your site up running easily. Uh, If you're a more advanced user or a business, HostGator can help you take care of reseller plans, uh, virtual private servers, dedicated servers, uh, and they guarantee 99.9% uptime at HostGator, no matter your size or needs. That's pretty good uptime. So that's like what, like eight minutes every quarter or something yeah. that they're, you know, yeah. that they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a WordPress user, you're going to love the one-click installs and optimized hosting platform. 
And when you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and bandwidth, so you don't have to worry about, ooh, somebody came to my website, now i got to pay extra because I had a lot of visitors. Yeah, somebody um, posted you on Reddit and your yeah. server got slammed. Yeah. Uh, we have, they have free uh, site builder tools that are super easy to use, but if you want, uh, you can find yourself needing any help. They have 24-hour support seven days a week to ensure that everything runs smoothly, and I've dealt with their support people by email, and they are very good and very helpful. So head over to HostGator.com to learn more. And when you decide to purchase, don't forget to use the coupon code PICTURES and you'll get 30% off everything at HostGator.com, which is a great deal. 30% is pretty pretty yeah, serious. That's pretty serious. They're not and messing around. No, they are not at all. And uh, HostGator, they're a good company. If you need if you need a, a, a good, solid web host to put up your stuff that you've built, HostGator is a, a good choice. And uh, you get 30% off everything with the uh, code PICTURES. Thank you very much to HostGator for your support of 5x5 and on taking pictures. HostGator.com. <laughs> that was good. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, uh, that, the, the trailer is finally out for uh, the Tim's Vermeer thing it's that we a, talked about a couple weeks ago. It's about time. I know. It, uh, it looks really amazing. <laughs> of course it's going to be amazing. Penn and Teller had something to do with it. Yeah. I it love just, Penn and Teller. If you guys haven't seen this trailer, uh, th- this guy claims to have, have built, um, is there, a, is there an official name for what he built, Bill? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen the thing, but I, I, I don't know. Some sort it's, of uses like lenses yeah. and mirrors yeah. and, and he's apparently he has cracked how Vermeer was able to paint such incredible soft shadows and, and dynamic range. Yeah. He was really effing good. That's how. (laughs) Wonder what kind of brushes he used. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did you hear about that new paint doodad on, on, uh, on mixitup.com? Yeah. Yeah. I got a scoop on that. (laughs) All the cool kids are using it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It gets you that. Yeah, you can get that Caravaggio effect by just yeah. using this. Boucher is um, going to do a guest post, man. I swear it's going to be awesome. It's, uh, you know, it's, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's what in theaters now, right? You can't get uh, watch it online. Prob- no, I don't think so. Probably a limited run. Yeah. It, I, it will, it will likely not be at your local Megaplex. Right. But it might be at a nice little, uh, oh, here you go. New York City. I can watch it at the Angelica. Is that a nice theater? Or at Lincoln Plaza. Uh, Angelica is like the old um, independent film house down on Broadway in Houston. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, at one period, about three years ago, had a really bad bed bug outbreak. Um, In the theater? I I refuse to go there. In the seats. Mm. That's why I will never go back there. But then again, I can't stand watching movies at theaters lately. Like... (laughs) My my Mm. projector at home is so much more of an enjoyable experience and I can pause it if I have to pee and I, you know, no one's talking behind me and there aren't whole piles of previews for 25 minutes before the movie starts. All I got to do is wait like, you know, two, three months when stuff comes out on Blu-ray and I'm, you know. Yeah. And that's just my own. It's getting even less. Uh, If if you're, if you're uh, considering it 93%. On the oh, Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter, I can't wait to see this. I mean, if they if they had it up on iTunes, I'd buy it today. Yes. Um, so we'll, we'll which uh, I'm surprised that they wouldn't do like a, a digital release. Well, maybe maybe they will. I'll have to. We'll do some more research. Maybe they. Yeah. I think I think they they are. I thought that they are. Maybe Let's from see. the site from the official. Yeah. Um, apparently, Teller talks in the documentary. Really. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. 
<laughs> you don't want to look behind that curtain. I mean, he's spoken to me before, but just in a very, very quiet, hushed tone. I don't want to know. He's I like, don't want to know. Thank you very much. <laughs> when I said it was a good show. Thank you very much. Uh, I, yeah. Can they're, I, they're, can they're, I, can I can, put my arm around your girlfriend? And I was I'm like, sure. sure you can. Great picture of Conrad and Teller. It's good stuff. Uh, it's playing in Pasadena around here. It's playing at the Landmark. It's playing at the Lemley. See, so if you're in like a big town, you could probably find it. At least in LA and New York right now. Yeah. Florida. I'm, I'm sure it'll be in more. Yeah. See, it's everywhere. Nevada, Texas. But then yeah. movies go to, like go to this website. are never in your local Cineplex. They're always in like, oh, that one art house place, you know, that plays the weird stuff from Europe. <laughs> you know. Not to generalize or anything. No, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that's what, you know, other people say <laughs> about those places. You know, yeah. the weird stuff. There's a better one called Sunshine here in New York that is a little bit better. Bed bugs. Kind of yeah, I know, man. There's a bed bug epidemic in New York City the past few years. What? Ugh. Yeah, it's that's no, the, it's that's no bueno. Yeah, no bueno. Um, all right. What, what do you want? Stephen Pressfield. I read this. I read this post. So. What did you think of this? Okay. So I, I really like Stephen Pressfield. I do too. Uh, what do you think of this? Okay. So the, the, the title is nobody knows nothing. Right. So Stephen Pressfield, who we've talked about before is a writer uh, and he has a great blog and we we've, we've talked about a handful of his stuff before. Um, basically what happened was some guy who is a uh, writer gets up every morning, writes for two hours before he goes to work wrote a 200,000 word fantasy novel, sent it to an agent. The agent made comments. This guy worked on the comments, sent it back to the agent. And she's like, yeah, it's great, but not for me. Go try some other people. And basically he's asking Pressfield whether he should give up on this one or, and move on to a new one or keep working on it or blah, blah, blah. And could you read my book? And you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And Pressfield's answer is kind of the answer that I tend to give, which is, everybody's going to have an opinion and you can't listen to them because then you're just going to spend your whole life just chasing shadows that other people have put in front of you. Um, you, the only person you can trust is you, you know, if, if there's a person or two that you really trust that you, you know, want to get the opinion of great, but don't assume that they are correct. You know, but do, do you, do you throw, is it necessary to throw out all of it? You know, he, he begins this post with, I'm not a big believer in feedback. By that, right. I mean notes, critiques, comments about one's work from writing groups or editors or friends or just about any other source. Now, that's a blanket statement. Yes. So if, if, you, if you adhere to that, and let's say we're talking about photography, okay. just for the sake of argument. Sure. If you're not going to listen to your detractors, then is it not? within the vein within the vein of possibility within the realm of possibility that you don't listen to those who praise you either you can't you can't wait one more than another well you can the question is should you um but if 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 the people that don't like your work don't know what they're talking about right how is it fair to assume that the people that do like your work do know what they're talking oh yeah i i fight with that all the time um uh, you're right that that yeah. And, and the same thing is, well, you could also make the argument that, okay, let's say, let's say you comment on something that I've made and you give me five points of things that, oh, you should try this and maybe it should be less saturated over here or whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I agree with one of them or two of them and not all three of them. 
well, then am I really listening to you or did you just point out something that I agreed with anyway and just couldn't put my finger on? Because I showed it to you asking for your comments then I must know that it's not quite right as it is. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I, I, I'm unhappy with it, but I'm unable to see what, what I'm unhappy about. Okay. Right. Well, and, and it, it, it also begs the question, do you post things just because you want a hug? Because a lot of people do. Sure. A lot of people post things because they are pleased with it. Yep. And their assumption is that everyone else is going to be pleased with it as well. And if they're not, then they either ignore it, dismiss it, or take umbrage with it, or, 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 or. So why, I, I think this gets to why do we feel the need to share photos? To share them at all. To not, share them Not necessarily all. shared for comment. Yeah, if you're shooting what it is that you want to shoot, then why share it? What do you care what anybody thinks? Um, it's not necessarily that you care what other people think, but you may think that other people will get some enjoyment out of looking at it. Right. But that gets you back to caring about someone else's opinion um, of, uh, of which Pressfield asserts that he doesn't. Okay. But, but he sells his books and people read them. Mm-hmm. So, I think maybe his argument is that I don't care whether you like it or not. As long as you're reading it, that's great. You know, but Mm -hmm. you know, if you get the, if you get the one guy to look at your work and think somebody looks at some picture of mine and really likes it and thinks about it. And it's just like, you know what? That's one of my favorite pictures ever for whatever reason, you know, they just, they like that picture. Then, so do you, do you just want the reaction? Do you think he's just looking for pro or con, positive, I, negative? I tend to be on the side of things that if, 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 if you're not sharing it, then it's not art. Like I think, I think that art is meant to be shared between people. I, I, see, I see art as a way to communicate thought and experiences in different media, whether it's photographs or okay. stories okay. or whatever it is. And if you're not showing it to somebody else to see how they react, whether good, bad, indifferent, love, hate, whatever. Sure. Sure. Then, then have you actually ever made it sort of like, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, you know, like if, so it, if so no it ever sees it, then exist. It's, unless it's seen by other shown somehow to other people, mm-hmm, unless it's mm-hmm. shared. That's, I, it's like one, one of our first discussions we talked about, it's not a photograph unless it's a print because the yeah. print is the final stage. Right. I, I, I don't, I am not a hundred percent on that in the sense that right. I, there's plenty of pictures that I think are good that, you know, I've never made a print of. Sure. Um, but the idea is, is, you know, pre, but the point of the print is to then show it to somebody else or share right. it with somebody else or give right. it to somebody. Else. This is this sort of the pre pre internet ideology. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that, I mean, there's something for that. I mean, look, if you want to sit or I guess if you want to sit around in your room with a typewriter and write a novel, I guess you could do that, that you never share with anybody. I, I have writer friends. Some of well, whom I mean, look at Vivian Mayer. Yep. Sure. There you go. We've talked about her. Right. Is, is her work only now art because somebody is seeing it? It wasn't art 40 years ago when she made it? Uh, well, there was no one to make that judgment back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if no one saw it, then who's going who's gonna to say that it's good or bad? Look, but but there, it, gets, it gets you back to you're doing it for yourself. She did it for herself. Well, sure. I mean, ultimately, look, ultimately, if you're not enjoying what you're doing and getting some enjoyment out of the process of doing it, then why are you doing it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
that's always like step one. Sure. But I think that if you're talking about, I mean, obviously the guy in this, in this letter is looking to get his stuff published. He right. wants to share it. But I guess the thing is that who's to say that Stephen Pressfield or Jeffrey Sidoris or Bill Wadman has any better opinion than this guy does, this Michael guy, about whether his book is good, you know? Sure. Uh, it, I, I watched uh, a documentary yesterday called A Band Called Death. <laughs> okay. Okay. And if you haven't seen this, it's on uh, uh, Netflix. Fascinating. It's three black brothers lived in Detroit during the 70s, the Hackney brothers, who started a rock slash punk band. Okay. So here, here, here's what the 70s <laughs> Let's break were. break that down. <laughs> yeah. The 70s in Detroit, if you were black, Good you were Motown. Right. Yeah. And these guys went, nope. Not only are we going to play rock, not only are we going to play punk, but we're going to call this band Death. <laughs> and not surprisingly, every label passed on them. Sure. Everybody passed. In Europe, in the US, it got down to Clive Davis. Clive Davis loved, and, and a lot of people loved their music, but they couldn't package it. They couldn't sell it. Right. And it got back to Clive Davis, who, who offered them a $20,000 contract if they would change the name of the band. And they went, actually, they didn't. It was David, who, who was the sort of self-appointed leader of the band, said no, because he had this whole sort of philosophy of what death meant to him. And it didn't mean the end. It was more of a rebirth. It was more of a renewal. Right. And he had this whole philosophy that went along with it. And, and his thing was, if you change this, you change fundamentally who I am and, by extension, who we are. And his brothers didn't like that idea, but... They were raised with, with the ideology of you back your brother. Publicly, you back your brother. So they turned it down. I mean, it's interesting. This kind of goes back to the, begin the initial discussion we had about doing the what you don't want to do. He could have made the same exact work. Mm -hmm. Just change the name of the band. That's like saying, Bill, you could be this famous, super, the most famous portrait photographer in the world. We just got to change your name to Arthur to package it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, well, it's, 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 uh, it's, you know, you, you, you may remember a little story about a boy named Johnny Cougar. Right. There you go. Right. John Mellencamp and, won't sell. Right. Well, maybe John Mellencamp wouldn't have sold, mm -hmm. you know? And you know what? The other thing that we tend to do on this show that uh, sometimes I, you, we forget is that commercial success and artistic success are two very different things. Sure. You know, that, you know, it could be that, that this band was great and never made a lot of money. And then there's lots of people who made a lot of money who were never all that great. And just because you're not a commercial success or lots of people aren't hiring you or whatever it is, doesn't mean your work's not good. Right, right. There, there, it's just that there are few people that can exist in both worlds. Right, yeah. There are few actors that can do the little indie movies and can also get a $20 million paycheck. Mark Ruffalo. I like Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Uh, he does the Hulk that. guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He does that all the time. Um, By you know, the way, I, that, that Bruno Mars, that is one talented kid. Very talented. Whew, man, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. Huge anyway, talent. Go ahead. So, and, sorry. And great hair. Fantastic hair. Right? God, he's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 
Okay, so so back to man can rock a skinny tie, can he not? <laughs> can I get a hell yes? But back back to Stephen Pressfield. I yeah, you know, I think that his I think his answers are really interesting here. I think his answers in some ways are right on. Look, if you really, really, really trust Joe Schmo, and th- you know, if let's say I in, I trusted you to the end of the earth and said, you know what, Jeffrey has incredible taste. If he says my picture is X, then it is X and I should make a change if I want mm-hmm, Y. Mm-hmm. But those people are very few and far between. Sure. You know? I don't have anybody that I trust that implicitly about my own work except for me. Well, and, and what, what of the, 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 the stories that get passed on and passed on and passed on in film and somebody takes a chance on it and it right. turns out to be this huge yeah. success. Uh, do you ever, you know, that's that Alanis Morissette song uninvited from city of angels. It's a really, it's a really good tune. It's on the city of angels soundtrack city of angels, the, the Nicholas cage, Meg yes. Ryan, but it's a remake very, of, of Vim vendors wings of desire. That movie. Yes. That one. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting, right? That I remember somebody was telling me this was like back when I was in school or just got out of school. So I was like really in with all of like the, in, you know, the stories that went around about record making or whatever. And apparently like the guy who produced it, and I forget his name right now, but I think he owns ocean way. Anyway, he, um, he brought it into the executives cause all they had at the beginning was like a, like a single piano line. It was like, you know, a few notes on the piano and her singing like this demo mm-hmm. and the p- record company was like, are you out of your mind? That's what you want to put on this like huge movie soundtrack that we're putting together. And he was like, yeah. And they, they like, they couldn't believe it, you know, cause they didn't realize that he was going to do something great with it, which he did. The record's amazing. Um, so it's like some people just don't have that vision. Right. You know, and, 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 and when they do have that vision, it's generally expensive as, as Pressfield says here, like he said, what does he say here? He said, um, I, I have, I have a guy, where is it? Uh, I have a friend, uh, a dear friend of 20 years and superb editor, uh, Sean Coyne, who read a manuscript of mine a couple of years ago for feedback. I paid him $40,000. That's what professional level feedback is worth. Keep that in mind when you ask help for free or when you get it for free. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, uh, the, the Stephen King book, which a couple of people have purchased in the group. I, I am almost finished with it. Which one is this? Uh, on writing. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he had a tough time in the very beginning. Yep. And then somebody took a chance on Carrie. Yep. And you know, off he went. Ready to take a chance. Sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> sometimes Barry pops in. Yeah. Well, I look, no. I think, I think that ultimately just to wrap this up is that like, you know what? Ultimately you got to trust yourself. If you don't trust yourself, then you don't trust anybody and you can't trust anybody. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ultimately it comes down to yourself. If somebody points out something that makes you realize something that you agree with yourself, that's one thing. But if you get comments or, or opinions by somebody and they disagree with you, or, you know, you know, they're saying something that you're like, no, I just, you know, I, I like it the way it is. Well, right. then don't change it. Friend, a friend of mine wrote uh, uh, like a novella for some small publishing company. And, and the, there was a woman who changed a few of the words in his thing because she said she thought they f- sounded like too old English or whatever. Okay. But like his whole point was that it was sort of this crisscross of time thing where some people were speaking in these weird things. So that was a vehicle to tell the story. 
Yeah, and she go out and change the, the things, and 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 he's like, oh, I'm not upset about it. I was like, Well, then change them back. Tell her this is how I want it for a good reason. You know what right. I mean? Right. Uh, it, it's it's I don't know. It's it's kind of silly. Um, yeah, it's uh. So you know what? Trust yourself. Ultimately, everything else falls into place. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff in here. What else we got here? You want to you want to select. Where do you want to go? You've got this, this photo documentary thing. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Did you see this? I, I think did. somebody in the group put it in. We'll put a yeah. link in the show notes. This uh, is a, a, a website. That some, some, was it German? Mm-hmm. Yeah, D-E. Uh, German uh, website that the guy has put together a list of a bunch of different photography-related uh, documentaries that are all available online. Right. Like uh, playlists on YouTube and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's great. In it's English and in, in, in German, some behind the scenes making of stuff. It's really, really cool. And if you're bored and have nothing to watch, lots of good stuff here. Lots not, of good stuff. Not now, the highest quality always on the YouTube. Uh, one of the things I, I wanted to, to touch on in the, in the, the hangout on Friday is some go around and, and talk about some favorite photography related films, whether it's a documentary or a feature film um, films where, where, photography is either used or is a character in some right could be fun yeah do you uh so it's going to be um like what uh wait wait wait, let me think uh uh blow up that could be one yeah it's a good one under fire could be one oh yeah yeah pecker could be one pecker classic he uses (laughs) a canon canonette yeah in pecker yeah uh yeah so you know, could could be interesting. All right, you uh, uh, and I, I'm loving these ads, by the way. I am loving. Do you like these? Okay, so somebody, big old Michael Landon selling yeah. a selling a 110 camera. Come on, Michael Landon, uh, man, he was cool. Seemed like a really nice guy. Uh, from all uh, stories that I've ever heard, a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, you know, you know, it's funny though. You look at the next one down, which is a Polaroid commercial of like a guy like on the shore. Uh, taking these pictures and doing the peel apart stuff back in the sixties. And you look at the quality of the photograph in the ad and it's like the blacks are really blocked up and you know, it yeah. could be just the printing of the ad, but it's just funny. It's just like, wait, people wanted that. <laughs> so, so Bill is referring to uh pop sugar posted this, this post called Oh snap 23 vintage camera ads that put Instagram to shame. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's very funny. It's crazy. I thought that kid was Michael Jackson in the in the one below it. Oh yeah, he's, yeah. The, I, when I first saw it too, I was like, "Wait!" I was like, "Wait, wait!" Did, did, did Michael Jackson do an ad? Uh, yeah. So Dick Van Dyke. It's just yeah, funny. It's, all these different old, old, old cameras. You know, the one next down the this Kodak uh, one with the graduation kid and the whole family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my grandparents had one of those, so I like. I remember. It's funny. You remember the feel of a certain camera like how it felt in your hands and how the mm-hmm. shutter was like, I always think about those little, uh, the flash cubes. Yep. Um, and how, you know, it's just, it's just fascinating. I still have, uh, my mother's Polaroid that's in that, that 60 second excitement ad. I still have that camera. You do. Mm-hmm. Is that a, um, uh, Oh wait, which one is that? 60 seconds. Oh, you has one of those. Yeah. The little oh. pop out one. Is it still usable or is it got all foggy I th- and weird? I, I haven't looked at it in years. It's out in a box. I should go grab it. You know, it's funny that Nikon ad that's got all the, uh, the, the Nikon F's kind of going up. 
Oh yeah, from things. from 1954. So I look at them and I'm like, yeah, they look different, but they're not that different from each other. You know? Yeah, it's a, it's I, a, I'll tell you, I I wouldn't mind having that little SP, the, the little rangefinder that they made. I'm sure you could find one on eBay for. They're not expensive, that much. really. They're yeah, they're really expensive. Really? Yeah. I wonder. I wonder why? Because they're rare. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah, Nikon SP rangefinder, thousand bucks. Wow. Oh, and I, and I love the, uh, the, uh, the, the one towards the end with the, the, the gigantic Linhoff <laughs> with, with like the, you know, the housewife kind of, kind of holding this thing in, in, in her, her lovely little dress, you know, yeah, yeah. this thing is just enormous. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, let me find it. I, I also think <laughs> I love, I love the, what do you think about advertising that is sort of like, you deserve it. Do you like that stuff or does that feel no. really like uh, even the Leica ads life's too short to settle for anything less than the camera you really want, Jeffrey? Yeah. Well, it's funny too, that the camera in the ad is exactly the camera that I own. Yeah. Uh, you deserve, I mean, it's, but isn't, isn't that the thing? It's, it's, yeah. you, it's, it's, you know, I love, I love the next one down for the Leica. It's called the think camera. This pro in quotes doesn't boast electronic circuitry. It doesn't have photo cells to select the area of interest. No little indicators to tell you there's not enough light. The Leica M4 is strictly for those who prefer to do their own thinking, your own creating. And as long as creativity can't be computerized, we'll be continue to make it. <laughs> uh, sa- says the company yeah. releasing a mirrorless camera. <laughs> In the hands of a discriminating photographer, the M4 is a sophisticated tool of endless versatility and speed. It's just it's just really funny to me that this is this is how people do oh yeah, the Technica. Look at that Technica. That thing's huge. It's humongous. Anyway, f- fun stuff. Like a, it's it's like holding on a Kleenex box. Yeah. I'll I'll put <laughs> this know? in the show notes too. This is a uh this is a, a, a giant, giant uh post full of a bunch of old camera ads. Um yeah, and I already got that one in there. What else we got in here? We got lots of other stuff, don't we? Oh, did you see this link that I put in this time link? Somebody put it up uh, this morning. This is the glass plate thing. Yeah, I think actually was the photo editor, photo editor at the New York Times put it up in her link. Or maybe Katrin Eisman put it up. So these are images that are sort of decaying, right? They're glass mm-hmm. plates that are shedding their stuff. What a great name. Costica Asinte? The name? Is that how you would pronounce that? Costica Asinte. Yeah, that, Costica Asinte. Asinte. <laughs> wait, what a so great the, name. Wait, Asinte. I don't think that that's probably how they would have done it. She, they're Romanian. And we, we made them so sound like an be? Italian do. I don't know. Costica huh. Asinte. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Romanian army photographer during World War One. Think yeah. about that. Yeah. You're so, running through trenches with a camera. Yeah. So there's these crazy portraits and they are all in different levels of decay as the as the uh, emulsion has either cracked and blown off or or folded over onto itself mm. and what you end up with is these you know these crazy effects of mold and you know d- dust and whatever it is now yeah. what i find interesting about this is that people find these 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 hauntingly beautiful and all this kind of stuff in this middle level of decay if they were perfectly clean photos from 1920 would people be interested in them or is it is it the decay that makes them interesting? And yes, is it, is I it, think it is. I mean, it, it's it's like the, uh, the the wet plate things from Sundance. Yep, yep. If if those were just taken on a on a on a medium format camera, exactly the same, 
would they have been as interesting? Well, I think they would have been as interesting. I don't know that they would have been as noticed. Now, my favorite one so far, advanced to number 20. Okay, I'm at 18, 19, 20. So you've got the guy sitting there, and you've got the guy behind him moving the background. Yeah, to cover it. To cover the, yeah, to, to give coverage against him. So, so this was a long exposure, obviously. Yep. And this guy is, is rocking, a, look, maybe a piece of card. Yeah, you know what? I should try that. I'm doing that 8x10 thing on Saturday. Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've but, got the motion blur of the yeah. background and then the, the tack sharp portrait. So it's so this is interesting. So my question is, if they were more decayed, basically people don't want them perfect and they don't want them gone. They want them in some sort of middle state mm-hmm. that makes them interesting, you know. And are we today ever going to get the chance to have our pictures decay? We're, will there be enough bit rot on our hard drives that things will be slightly corrupt in places enough to make it feel like that stuff. Yeah. I think at most you're going to get like JPEG artifacting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you're going to get this sort of somewhat, uh, uh mosaic, uh, uh, blocky texture over the corners or something. Right. So that if, 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 if our film, if our photo formats, and I think TIFF and JPEG and DNG are going to be around for decades or at least readable for decades, as long as whatever you have them sitting on is still readable. You know, if you mm-hmm. just keep, if you keep moving them forward, um, our pictures are going to look exactly the same 30 years from now as they do today. Not the way that films and things decay or color tinge or shift. And I wonder if that's going to change the way we perceive pictures from today, 20 years from now. I, I think maybe because so Um, many, so much of like your childhood photos is the idea that that print is like, you know, turned a little bit and got a crease through it. You know. Well, and, and the other side of, of what did it take to make these? I mean, look, you in this photo, photo number 20, yep. we're seeing sort of a portrait and a BTS in the same shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I want to try that. Um, I watched another document. I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately. Uh, and I watched two that were both really fantastic. They're shorts. They're by a guy called Ben Proudfoot, who is a, a really wonderful filmmaker. Uh, first one was called uh, Ink and Paper about the two last uh, paper shop and, and uh, letterpress shop in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, and he did another one called The Ox, which is about this, this uh, uh, woodworker uh, in, in Northern California. I will and this guy, in the show notes. He, he, he had a, a really interesting way of looking at the world. He, he said that, that, all of our knowledge, and I'm paraphrasing here, mm-hmm. all of our knowledge, think of our knowledge as, as a train. And this train is, is racing along the track, scooping up knowledge, scooping up knowledge, scooping up knowledge. And at the same time, only so much knowledge will fit on this train. And there's a guy in the back throwing stuff off the train right. to make room for all the new stuff. And he says, the problem is what we're throwing off has taken us 25,000 years of evolution to glean. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it is still useful information. Maybe not. But within the realm of photography, sure, I think a lot of it is. Okay, so how do you keep that knowledge without still retaining all the negatives of what that knowledge you know, was related to? 
Um, I think you do exactly what the people that are sh still shooting film and large format and medium format, they're still holding on to the people that are still doing wet plate. They're still, yeah. they're holding on to those traditions. And you see that not just in photography. I think there's, there's a mini Renaissance going on right now there's for people like you goods. still use pens. Uh, pencils. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I was listening to another show on five by five. I was listening to the Naco Almanac the other day, uh, this morning when I was on the, at the gym. Oh, uh, Andy and Naco. Yeah. Yeah. And Andy, like was, Andy was talking about, um, how he, he was recently, he was talking about cameras and how he recently was going to buy a new camera. And the last digital SLR he owned was a Nikon D 200. Is that the one you had? I had a D 300. Okay. D 200 was one right before. Okay. So he had, he had a D 200. Which the D300 Nikon still have not updated. Right. And he was going between three cameras, one of which was the, the Nikon 7100. Mm -hmm. one of, and two of them were uh, mirrorless four-thirds. And he hadn't decided between them, and he was talking about all this kind of stuff. But in the process of talking about all this stuff, he was talking about the cameras that he used to own, including... Uh, one of those little Olympus film cameras, you know, the 35 millimeter cameras where you just click the door open a little, a little bit and the lens kind of popped out and it apparently had no zoom or anything like that, but it was a really good piece of glass in it. Like it was a these, film camera. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So last year in order to sort of like remind himself of whatever, he pulled it out of the, 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 the drawer that it was in. Uh, this was, I don't know, a few months ago and he decided to like take it out and shoot a roll of film in it. He couldn't find film. He had to buy film from Amazon because in his town, no one sold film. Really? You could buy, you could still buy like uh, um, uh, a disposable camera. You know, like I bought, I bought a disposable camera for Randy Duchesne for his 60th birthday recently mm -hmm. as a joke, you know, and I went to CVS to go buy one. There was one left and it was in the, it was in the like pile of stuff that they were getting rid of. Right. There were right. no more. Now this there was, was no this more is the in. thing where like, where you send in the whole camera and they just, yeah, you bring yeah. the whole camera and they crack it open. Right. It's a little plastic lens, whatever it is, but Andy couldn't find film, you know? So yeah, I can go buy eight by 10 Ilford film. Like I did last week for this thing this weekend, but your average person that's, it's that's getting hard yeah well and, and just as an aside on cvs if you bring a roll of 35 millimeter film in to have them process it yeah they give you a cd back and prints they do not return your negatives really they do not return your negatives and i said well then you know kind of what's the point of then I might as well just shoot digital mm-hmm because you know they're not going to scan at a at a at a, no. at a high res no so they've basically assumed at CVS then that anybody bringing film in there is bringing in like a disposable camera from a party and they just want to stick them on Facebook. Maybe. Sure. That's yeah. sort of that. Yeah. I was kind of really what that surprised. Reads. I said, is there a checkbox that I can check to get my negatives back? And she says, no. Wow. That's kind of upsetting. A little bit. Huh. Well, what, you know, what, what, what were these two? Oh, uh, Leica and Hasselblad are making mirrorless cameras. Leica well, and Hasselblad. Yeah. Making is, 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 a, is, a, <laughs> is in quotes here, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, these I, seem they're, to be rebrand, rebadged other people's cameras. The Leica, I don't know. I don't know whose Sony. guts they may or may not be using, but the, the Hasselblad, uh, they are saying is, uh, is a Sony, a rebranded Sony A99. Okay. That costs 
twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> eleven thousand five hundred. But you know, to be fair, it does come in a nice case. You know, uh, remember a few years ago, like uh, that, uh, you could buy the little Panasonic, say uh, X uh, LX three or whatever it was. The LX three. I have one sitting here. Uh, honest to God, yeah. it's funny that you made. I have one sitting here. Good camera. At the time, really, really good camera. Great camera. In fact, I, I made Craig Ward buy one of those a few years ago when he asked me for something to buy just as a pocket camera to bring on vacations and stuff. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and it broke and they bought an LX5, the newer version of it. Right. And they don't like it nearly as much. Didn't, didn't have the same feel. Yeah. Um, the point I bring bringing this up is that you could buy the Leica version of that Panasonic, which was quite literally just a rebranded version. Yes. Uh, it, it was, was like it was $900 just or Different something. logo and it was twice as much. Yep. Yep. Just for the logo. And I remember some people, not just like rich people, but some people were like, no, I want to get the Leica one. You know, people that I know. And it's like, no, there's no difference between like, it's not just, it's not like, oh, well, you know, this one's tuned a little, it's like, it's the same camera with a different logo on the box. Yep. Um, It's just, it's just funny how it, Hey, sometimes the brands, I guess, you know, it's still a thing for some people. Yeah. I mean, you, you've, I, I was, uh, I talked to Carl about it and he's, he was saying that there are a lot of, you know, especially in Europe, yep. uh, people will come in and, and just say, give me the best camera. And they recognize the Leica name or the Hasselblad name. And, and this idea that if it costs a lot of money, it must be a good product. Yes. And sometimes more money leads to better quality, but it doesn't always, right? Sometimes um, it just gets you a rebranded Sony. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's funny though. I mean, but the people, but those people who are buying that, if somebody goes in and spends $12,000 on what is like a $1,800 camera body, right? Um, these are people with so much disposable income. It doesn't matter. Like really, they're just trying to make a statement, you know? Sure. Uh, Cause if they, if they really wanted to like our Hasselblad, they have enough money to buy an H5 or a Leica M or a monochrome mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Obviously they're not buying it for its photographic quality they're buying it because it's got a big label on it so there's some child of a rich kid or some you know saudi chic or something like okay that, you know I, i've got to read you this this is from the press release okay for which the, the hustle yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. the hv ships with a specially designed extremely robust and high performance quote super resin case parentheses like the pros use <laughs> <laughs> guaranteeing the extra protection from dust, water, chemical agents, and impacts and shocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what it is? It look, it's like it's like a uh, it's a pelican case. Yeah, I just love that in parentheses, like the pros use. It, you know what too? Like you look at look at that camera body, right? The plastic look of it. Okay, but it's better looking than the lunar. Come on. I see. I didn't think the lunar looked like a cool camera, but I think it looked like a cool object. Yeah. With the wooden handle? Yeah. You're the one who like loves the wood. I love wood. I love, you know, the 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 53 pencil stylus out of walnut. Love yeah. it. You, you know, guys want to send one over? Love it. Interestingly but enough, the, the Not on that. The lunar um I was when I went to go look at the uh the little Fuji at mm-hmm. uh, one of the stores here in New York. I was, we were talking about that and, and, and the girl that was with my friend Lindsay and, and she was like, Oh, is that like wood on there or, or leather? And she's like, Oh, then no, this is plastic he goes, but some of these do. And he pulls out the lunar catalog and showing this. I was like, people buy these things. And he said, you have no idea. He says, people, yeah, people, he says, but people don't buy them to use as cameras. They're not saying I want a great camera that I want to use here. I'm going to buy this lunar. 
It's like some super rich Wall Street guy wants to buy a present to impress his boss. Yeah, yeah. They're, so he goes and buys a $25,000 camera. Yeah, they're photographic object d'art. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, yeah. that's all it is. It's like a Maserati. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's not the best car, but it's an expensive car that will impress everybody. Uh, anyway, it's, it's just silly. So funny. <laughs> um, hey, let's talk about our second sponsor here. Our second sponsor. You don't want to talk about the second sponsor? They're okay, I guess. <laughs> if you want to make a website that's awesome. Yeah. Did you see Squarespace had a Super Bowl ad? I did see that. I did see that. We need to discuss and that offline. It, it's it's their 10, they're like, you know, 10 awesome things. I got this press release, 10 awesome things about Squarespace. And yeah. I'm reading down the list going, yep, that's cool. Yep, that's cool. Yep, that's cool. Uh, and, uh, you know, a uh, friend of the show, Pete. Yeah. Is that Pete Evans? Yeah, Pete I Evans. think that's the same, yeah. New new Squarespace website. So thank you, uh, thank you, Peter, for, nice. for doing we, that. We like Looks when nice. people send those in. Yeah, uh, but here, let me let me. So so, well, g- give me the details. What what, what, right. what are we really talking about here with Look, Squarespace? Jeffrey, this episode you got to do a lot of coding, right? This episode of On Taking Pictures is brought to you by Squarespace. I'm just gonna I'm just blocking it off there. You just, you're just laying it down. Yeah, laying the, it down. It's the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website for a free trial and 10 percent off. Go to squarespace.com. Use the offer code. Hey, we have a new offer code today. Which is, hold on, hold on, hold on. This one's not really funny, though. Uh, uh, it's better, not more. Well, okay, but that's good. Better, no, I, it's, it's perfectly in keeping with our thing. It, no, better, no, not more. Better, not more. Not better, not more. Right, yes. Right. Better, not more. Yeah. But no comma yeah. when you type it in. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Squarespace is constantly updating their platform. New features, new designs, more support. They have beautiful templates for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust. So you can really create your own space online. By the way, if you use Wexley now and you have a title in there, you can have it so when you roll over the picture, the thumbnail, it shows the title. Yeah, and who do, who do we thank for that? Um, you, you thank Josh Kill, the designer at Squarespace. All right, thank um, you, Josh. <laughs> Uh, Squarespace. I, I still really dig native. That's a great looking template. They've, the templates are good. I was I was helping Randy Duchesne set up a, a nice site yesterday. Uh, nice. So you can really create your own space online by by adapting and adjusting all these different styles and things that are easy little sliders. It's easy for anybody. Uh, Squarespace also takes care of hosting, SEO. That's a search search engine optimization, and even makes your site automatically look great on any device. So you open it on a phone, it still looks good. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need some help, 70 Squarespace employees are on the customer care team, which is based in New York City. They, they truly care about design. It really shows through the whole site. They're always updating new branding, and they've won numerous design awards. You know, last week I was asking a question on Twitter, and Squarespace wrote me back in five minutes on Twitter with an answer. Nice. It was pretty cool. Uh, they have two brand new iOS apps for Squarespace customers. There's the Squarespace blog, which lets you draft, post, schedule, and review posts, as well as monitor and manage comments on the blog. They have uh, Squarespace blog is fully integrated with Layout Engine, so you can format text or markdown, tap and drag images within your post, modify detailed posts on the go, and also <clears throat> they also have Squarespace metrics, which lets you monitor your website analytics like. Uh, Thousands of clicks, uh, you know, KPIs, uh, page views, unique visitors, projections, charts. Now they even show you how many people are subscribed to your RSS feed. So if you have a podcast that you've set up on there, you can tell how many people are subscribed. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they've really also uh, worth mentioning they've they've updated Layout Engine and it's it's even cooler than it was. The Layout Engine Two is amazing. 
yeah, it's it's very. Could you imagine the coding that went into that? No, no, <laughs> it's it scary. makes my head hurt. Yeah, it makes uh, my head hurt. And as always, iOS seven updates uh, for Note and Portfolio. There are two other little apps. So don't forget about audio collections for mu- for musicians. There's amazing new three D visualizer for shipping. You can now add shipping to any one of the plans. Did you see that? It's or, uh, it's, or it's integrated into each one of the plans at different levels. Yeah. So if and you're if, at the, the low end plan, I think you st- you get one thing that you can sell and it's like a half a dozen in the middle yeah, plan. Yeah, but it comes whatever. with commerce now, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and as I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free, no credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month, includes a domain name if you sign up for a year, and make sure to get 10% off and support the show. That's on taking pictures, people. By using the offer code better, not more. Better, not more. Uh, no. no, no, it's not at no? all. Better. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting five by five and on taking pictures. Uh, we thank them very much for their support. Um, all right. So let's, let's talk about this week's photographer of the week. Cause you, you and I sort of, uh, came to him from different angles. Is that true? Not true. I don't, I don't know how you got, how did you get there? I happened to I found be it because you put it in the show notes and I was like, Oh, oh, oh okay. Nice. Okay. I, I messed up. I thought you had seen it independently. No, I came no, to I, it. I saw the name and I was like, Ormond Gili. Yeah. That sounds cool. You want to, you want to try saying that cooler? Ormond Gili. <laughs> but he's American, right? Or he lives in America. He was born in New York city. He's American. Um, so this guy's a fashion photographer. So it's Ormond Gili. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, been around know. since the sixties. Uh, he was in the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. He's like one of these old school, uh, ad fashion guys. Right. And, He's got this one picture that is sort of his most famous signature shot of windows in a bunch of brownstones that are about to be torn down. And he got all these women in these beautiful, solid colored dresses to stand in each one of the windows. How many windows are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten by four. There's 40 and three down the bottom, 43 women in these windows. And he was on a fire escape across the street and took this shot. That's like amazing. It's great. It's great. Yeah. And uh, there's a there's a, a link I found that tells you a little bit of the story behind the whole thing. Apparently, one of the women is like the foreman of because basically he saw that these things were getting gutted and he wanted to use them before they tore the buildings down. And yeah. so he like got permission from the city and from whoever owned the buildings and they had to do it during the lunch hour and, you know, all these like logistical nightmare things. And, and by the way, th- this building is basically a third the size of Jay Maisel's house. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, wait, how much does it say? Or <laughs> No, I don't know. Actually, that's about the size of Jamie Zell's house from the outside. <laughs> um, although Jay's is not really that pretty. Um, and, and so he had all these people like run in there. And apparently one of the people is like the daughter of the foreman. Right, right, you know, right. Like, oh, we can, you know, maybe we can make an exception if you, uh, you know, don't mind if my daughter goes up there. Yeah, yeah. And she's really obviously out of place too. She's a look at uh second floor up, third from the right. You see the woman girl just sitting there, like standing there? Right, second floor up, second third floor from up, the right. Third from the right. She's like standing in the window, but not oh, okay with the black and white? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like that's apparently like, the Hi. Yeah. yeah. And apparently his wife is in there somewhere too. It's so, it's a it's a great shot. He he's got a a lot of really cool shots. Beautiful pictures. Yeah. Um and the stories are are interesting. He shares a a story shooting uh, um, Sophia Loren, 
where he, he shows up at Sophia Loren's house where she's still living with her mother. She was 20 or 21 years old, something like that. Yeah. And, and she's still upstairs sleeping. So his, her, her mother says, you know, go up and get her. <laughs> so uh, he, uh, here, he, he says, uh, dun, dun, dun. yeah, yeah. <laughs> go tell her that you're here. The mother says, go in there and throw her out of bed. I opened the bedroom door very slowly and stepped into the room. As I approached the bed, I could see that Sophia was wearing a flimsy nightgown. I sat on the edge of the bed feeling more than a bit uncomfortable and said, Sophia, Sophia, wake up. Ciao. Let's go. We have to do the photograph. She finally sat up a mess of tousled hair. Even so, she was devastatingly beautiful. <sighs> Must be so, nice. Yeah. So, the, and the, the book is filled with, with stories. Yeah, so tell me so about this book. What's the book called? The book uh, is called The Story Behind the Photo. Okay. Girls in the Window, The Story Behind the Photo. And uh, uh, Powerhouse, I believe. Powerhouse books. Yeah, that's a Brooklyn thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, this, this is a, a, a really wonderful era of photography, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, photography and, and, and to a large degree, photographers still had this, this sort of mystique about them. Yep. There was, there was this, uh, there was a res- it seemed like there was a little more respect for them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that you were artist, but you were also technician. You yep. know, there, there was that, that crossover, you know, because it was, it was perceived as science as well as art. Right. Okay. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and you know what, it, there was also, you know what, it was less common, right? Photography was less yeah. of a, it wasn't all the way all around you all the time. Everyone didn't have a phone snapping pictures at every party. Right. So that if you were sitting down to get your picture taken, it was still a bigger deal certainly than it is now. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Who was I talking to the other day? Somebody was just saying that, uh, you know, that, that, that you know, you go into certain old school photographer studios and there was, there was no music. No one spoke like it was, we are here to make art, mm-hmm. you know, this is serious business, right? This is serious business. And I, you know, that's not always the tack that I take, but I really respect that sort of way of going about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it leads to all kinds of like really beautiful things. And I don't know, th- I just figured this was some, somebody different, you know, I saw the book and I saw the cover of it and I thought, you know what? I know that picture, but I don't know who the heck who, who the heck took it, and the, it looked like an interesting book. I uh, I love his advice that he gives in this article from the Guardian that you posted. Uh, top tip, he says, "quote Do something else. It's too difficult being a photographer now." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody says that, right? Yeah. That's the don't, same thing Maisel says. That's the same thing. Yeah. Everybody Unless says. you've got a rich uncle or aunt or, or or you know, just move on. Nothing to see here. You know, my question with that is that how easy was it then? Like well, if you again, had a camera, like, was it actually easier or, or is it just that like everyone's perception is always that like, Oh, things were different when I was younger. Maybe there's some of that, but like you, you had just pointed out a minute ago that it wasn't as common. True. Yeah. You know, right. you, you, so if you, you decided a, to be a photographer and you find somehow got an internship with one of these big guys, you could really make your career just by apprenticing mm-hmm, essentially mm-hmm. where nowadays it's like, all these big photographers have 53 assistants and they right. come and go by the week and who cares, you know, um, it's fascinating. I it just, is. I also wonder, I mean, even though this guy took a lot, look, you look through the little gallery that they have on this site, which isn't that big. And you could go to Google images and look up a bunch of stuff he's done. And I recognize a few of his images, but it's not like, Oh my God, that one and that one and that one and that one. Like right. the girls in the window is his big image. That is, 
somewhat world famous, right? That's the signature, right? Yeah. Would yeah. it be weird having like one image that you're known for? And this was 1960. So he worked for another 30 years and never made anything that one upped his thing he did in 1960. Yeah. I mean, you, you look, you, you Google, do a Google image search for Orman Geely and that comes there up are 63 probably, times. Yeah, it, it's, you know, on the first page, you're right. It's probably 25 times, yeah. 30 times that yeah. that image is there. Would that bother you? Yes. It would. Okay. I mean, uh, no matter how proud you are of a single work, I think, if you've spent a career, I mean, yes, you could argue that, oh, it's nice being known for anything. Yeah, isn't one better than none? Yes. One hit wonder in music. Sure. But at some point, I would imagine there's going to be like, yeah, but you know what? What about all this stuff? I did all of this. Sure. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, there's lots of writers, lots of musicians, lots of movie makers who don't come up with the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the girl in the light, though, where they have the girl rolled into the, yes. the hotlight. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, the, there's one of, uh, of Louis Armstrong in a mirrored bathroom. Yeah. Where he's got, you know, he's got his trumpet. He's wearing his, 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 uh, his house coat, his robe, and he's got his trumpet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take pictures of you in a house coat and robe. With a trumpet? Well, maybe. <laughs> you, think, you think that would help? I think, think that I would think make the picture. Anything that would distract the viewer from looking at me would, would, would help. Yeah. That's actually pretty impressive that he didn't get himself in that photo in any way. Yeah, I wonder. See the little the little black area on the on the left side of the film of the of the image. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a closet, probably or open. Or yeah, yeah, is that like, hey, let's let's slide this open. So, oh, there he so is, that I, upper left hand corner with the tripod, right. upside down. Upper. Oh, yep, there he is. In inside a little inside that inside closet. the closet or whatever. No it is. way, good eye. That's funny. <laughs> you know, um, also interesting. God, look how ostentatious and terrible that bathroom is. Like that gives my, it makes my head hurt just looking at that bathroom. Yeah. Every, everything that that's not mirror is gold. Yeah. Gaudy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look at, look Liberace at Liberace called. He wants his bathroom. Yeah, back. Look at, look at the faucet is like a, is like a, it's like a, it's like a bird. It's like a, a, a dove or a, uh, not a dove. Um, like a swan. Swan. Yeah. Coming out of his mouth. Oh, that's genius. That's classy right there. Anyway, cool stuff. Very cool yeah. stuff. Go check him out and we'll put a link to the book too. Um, just cause, uh, it's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, I should have, you know what I should, I should put that right in the show notes, that image. Uh, anything you want to say before we wrap up? Uh, go to town on your town. Yeah. <laughs> See that? <laughs> that was really good. Well, that clever. Uh, yeah. My town is, is the, the hashtag have fun with that, uh, podcast at on taking pictures.com. Hey, you're on the Twitter, right? What are you, what are uh, you doing? At, at Bill Wadman. At Bill Wadman. You say anything worthwhile over there? Uh, every once in a while, I say something that somebody listens to. A nugget? Yeah, every once in a while. It's every rare. once in a while. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm at Jeffrey Sidoris. Uh, you can see Bill's work. You gonna, where are you going to put up those, those 8 by 10 pictures? Because you, you're shooting those this weekend. Are they yeah, going to be so I'm on? Shooting, I'm shooting, I got 12 people coming, I think. Uh, and I'm shooting probably a couple pictures a piece. And I'll put them up on my blog. Uh, BillWadman.com slash blog. Slash blog. Right. That, that's where they will be when I get them done, but uh, it might okay. not be until like middle of the week. Um, there's something else I was going to say before we wrapped up and now I Oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. Hey, go leave us a review on iTunes. That's what it was. That, do you know what? That, that's that what is a good was. one. We peaked, for those of you who didn't listen last week, we peaked at number two in visual arts. That's a pretty, Think about that for a minute. That's pretty good. 
Number two, that's, that's amazing. And it's all because of you guys. It's all because you guys tune in every week to hear us blather on about whatever blah, it is that we're talking blah, about. Blah, 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 tennis blah, balls, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, we, we, we thank you for that. It's, uh, the, we've said it a number of times. We love doing the show. And it only gets more true. Yep, it's fun. Uh, I think we're done. I think I think that's it. Have a great week, uh, and uh, you know, go take some pictures. Yeah, we'll do.